You are listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I am your host, Giovanna Capoza, and today I'm sitting here with Christina Miglino. She is amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. We get into her journey, and you know, part of the show and why I started the show is because I really, really do believe that every woman has a story. And every woman has that she with a capital S, I call it. And that's the she that is rising in all of us. You know, we see it as a group. We see it as a consciousness in the world. We see it in the news. We see it with all these movements happening. And it's the she that is rising in us. It's that, you know, us with a capital S, call it your spirit, call it your soul. It's that part of us that's come usually and unfortunately from a place of great suffering. And oftentimes as women, we are burning up like the phoenix and reinventing ourselves over and over and over again. And this story today with Christina is about that. And unfortunately for Christina, she started off at the age of eight with her struggle and having to overcome something pretty, pretty intense. And you'll, you'll hear more about that in the show. So I was excited to have her on the show, not only to share that story of suffering and overcoming, but also to open up the conversation around emotional intelligence and how as highly sensitive women or highly sensitive individuals and empathic individuals, how we can better navigate our emotional spectrum and really start to look at our emotions from a more empowered perspective than a disempowered, maybe self-identifying perspective that really just sort of keeps us cycling and recycling some really intense old emotions. So I'm excited about this conversation. As always, I'm excited to dive into speaking to anyone like Christina, who I call my soul sister. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is an empowerment coach and a spiritual counselor and an artist who's traveled all over the country, including Canada as a public speaker. And she's hosted and taught many workshops on empowerment on the West Coast. She's an intuitive hand poke tattoo artist. If you don't know what that is, I didn't know what that was either. Christina explained to me before the call that it's this amazing, beautiful, feminine technique of tattooing manually without the machine. And you can tell already from this introduction that Christina is just an amazing sort of diverse woman. She's into Native American arts and teaching and intuition for women. And her work has been featured on all over online publications, blogs, and multiple podcasts, including now this one. So I'm so excited to have Christina on the show. You can find out more about her at christinamiliano.com. And without further ado, let's dive into the show. Hey, Christina, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. Hi, Giovanna. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, my total pleasure. And you know, this is uh, just two conversations with us in a short period of time because Christina would just had me on her Millennial Spirit 
summit with these amazing, amazing speakers. And I was so honored that she asked me to be part of that. And so we had a powwow and a great conversation. And and here we are. It's just, what, a week and a half later, and we're talking again. I know. I can't believe it. But yes, that's what's happened in the last couple of weeks. It's amazing. Yeah. I have to say, I'm so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege of having this podcast because it's had me connect to some amazing, amazing people. You're definitely one of them where I feel like we're soul sisters somehow. Like there's this resonance, there's this connection. It's like, oh my God, I hear you, me too. And Mm. yeah, and so I was so happy to have you on the show. And as I mentioned just before we went live and are recording here is that with uh, a lot of the shows, I find it very interesting to get into the story of how it is that you got to do what you do. You know, I believe every woman has a story. The podcast is called She Rises. And when I talk about the she, it's that empowered, you know, us, the the she with a capital S. And I would love, because I just, I know a little bit of this and I'd love, love, love if you could share with the audience what your rising moment was. Yes, I would love to. And also I'll just say, you know, I felt really felt the resonance with you as well. From the very moment that we made contact on the phone to our interview and to now. So it's mutual. Yay, the love fest. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> so so I really was so attracted to the title of your podcast, She Rises. It's so empowering and I love empowerment work and I love that women naturally, I think when we're in our highest selves, we really want to empower each other all the mm, time. Absolutely. So my my story is a long, big one, but I'm going to sort of just highlight some of it. And it goes back to a time when I was just a tiny little kid. So from the time I was six years old, I started getting migraine headaches. And I have one of those wild stories where it's talk about she rises. It's like I somehow as a tiny person had to rise up and save my own life kind of. And I'll explain that. So I started getting these migraines as a six-year-old. My family, of course, you know, as a tiny person, my parents were just totally up in arms because I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. They were incredible parents driving me around to every type of healer. You know, they didn't stop at taking me to the Western medicine doctor. It was like the naturopath and the chiropractor and the, you know, herbalists and, uh, you know, hypnotherapists and psychics, all these different people to sort of try to help me as my health was declining. And it did this for several years. So I ended up in, as an eight-year-old, I ended up in Children's Hospital in Seattle, Washington. And at the time, they still had no idea what was causing my migraines. So over several weeks of being in the hospital, I had all of these big doctors working on my case. And it was really, you know, now looking back, man, I was medicated the whole time as like this little kid, you know, sitting in a hospital bed thinking that I wasn't going to live because I was in so much pain. And really the medicine that they were giving me, although it was painkillers, wasn't doing a lot for me. So I don't know if there are people out there that have had this experience, but I don't have a great response to Western medicine painkillers. They just don't work for me. And so I'm sitting there in this pain. And one day they decide after all these other doing all these other tests, they decide to do an MRI scan, right? So they decide to scan my brain because they're thinking, well, what if something's going on in my brain that's causing the migraines? And what ended up happening is I did the test and they came back, took my parents out of my room, my hospital room and said, 
you know, your daughter's got a brain tumor in her hypothalamus. We don't know how long she will live. This is a critical place because if we do surgery, there's like only a 50% chance at best of surviving the surgery because it's right in the middle of my brain, right? Oh so, my gosh. So really terrifying for my parents who also have my brother and sister, you know, two more of us that they're trying to raise and they get this information. And so I hear it and I don't totally believe that this is real. I'm like eight years old going, this doesn't make sense. And they tell my parents, there's no way this is causing the migraines, but thank goodness we found it because now, you know, we're going to treat it like it's malignant and who knows what could happen. So meantime, they still can't figure out what's really going on with my health. So they put me in the child psych unit at Children's Hospital to hold me there saying that they're going to do pain management therapy. So if we can't figure out what the pain's from, we're at least going to help me manage the pain. This is where I have to jump in here because this is where when you were telling me this story before, I almost fell off my chair because here you are having pain and they're trying to behavior it out of you as though it were some behavior that right. they could. And, and I just, when you told me this the first time we chat, I mean, it's one of the reasons I want to have you on the show is because one of my mandates, you know, especially in my previous incarnation as an alternative medicine doctor, but even so now, is to advocate for your own health. And here you were, eight years old, already questioning the system, already going, okay, wait a second, this isn't right here. And then on top of it, it's like, well, we found something, it's not really causing the issue, we don't know what's causing it, but we're going to try and behavior modify the pain. And I was just appalled. <laughs> So, it is so sad. Oh, you know, it's devastating yeah. to me. Yeah. So tell us more. Like you're you're eight years old. Now you're in a psych ward with other, I'm sure, experiencing and seeing things an eight-year-old shouldn't be seeing or maybe experiencing. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So honestly, I don't even, I can't get too into it because it, it's so intense. You know, I'm in there and and I really don't believe, so I'm one of those people who believes like mental illness is a spectrum. I think we all have strengths and weaknesses when it comes to our mind and need help at different times. But I was seeing, as you can imagine, and like you said, a vast array of very intense things going on from children that were literally abandoned by their parents and had no place in our system to go. So they were being held at the psychiatric ward in the hospital until adoption or whatever was next, right? I mean, there was a deaf little girl there and that was it. She was deaf. That was it. But her parents dropped her off and never came back, you know? Oh I mean, stuff God. that's like to really intense, you know, trauma, like physical and emotional trauma that had happened to these young people who were there because again, either no place to go or because they couldn't function in school or at home. So it was really, really, really sad. And I was just broken. I mean, I was broken because of that and seeing that. But also, like you said, I had adults around me who were not standing up for me. You know, I, I was really struggling physically and having, like you said, behavior modification put on me saying like I couldn't, for example, I wasn't allowed to put my head in my hand like I had a headache. You know, when you like lean over and you're putting your, I think we naturally do these things. We touch where our pain is because we're trying to heal it. You know, we're trying to bring some energy there or to relax a little bit. And yeah, to soothe yourself somehow. That's what we do. We hold the part that hurts. Exactly. 
So things like that I would get yelled at for. I would get, I was on this point system. If you know about behavior modification, it's about, it's about a point system. So you have to behave the right way. You have to act a certain way. Your body language has to say a certain thing. So you can gain enough points to get snack time or get like, you know, movie time or I wow. mean, just ridiculous so thing. If you deny your pain enough and sufficiently to fit our checklist, then you'll get rewarded. And if you don't, then you get punished. Exactly. And, and oh, the that way that they got you, sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> I said that hurts my heart. <laughs> oh gosh, it was devastating. And you know, I was just talking to someone about this recently. The thing that happened was that they assigned a woman to me to work on my pain, right? To come into my room and do meditation and things like that with me. And when she walked into my room, I was crying, sitting on my bed, you know, holding my head in my hands. I remember this moment. She opened the door, turned around, slammed the door shut, looked at me and said, listen, you little bitch, knock it off. I know what you're doing. This is what she said. I know what you're doing. And you're not allowed to do that anymore. And I remember that moment. And this is the power that adults have. You know, I think it's important for us to remember this because, you know, eight-year-olds don't have power over their lives. Like they just get to do what the adults expect or want them to do. And so I remember the moment she said that I, you know, that was my shutting down moment. I was like, my voice doesn't matter. What I want doesn't matter. You know, and I, I gave up, like I just gave up in that very moment because I recognized because when you're eight, you're smart, Uh you know, like we know so much by that time. And I just remember being like, okay, it's over. I'm not fighting anymore. It doesn't matter what I say, you know? Wow. So fast forward, I'll just say the end of this sort of time at this hospital is that I went to bed like either that night or the next night just completely giving up. I went to bed praying. I was Catholic. You know, I grew up Catholic. So I was like a good Catholic little girl, like praying to God, please take this life. I'm done. I'll try later if I can, again, if that is a real thing. But this this life's over. You know, like I was standing at the window, like figuring out how to jump out. I couldn't do that. So I laid in bed and I just prayed. I prayed for my life to be taken. And in the pain, I had such intense pain, I remember. And then I got this intense vision came over me in the middle of the night where these two giant, very feminine looking angels appeared to me with like big, beautiful, long hair and, you know, instruments and like all the things that you think of when you look at like Catholic iconography or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was so brilliant and so beautiful. And the message, they didn't use their voices, but the message was, you're totally going to get out of this. You're going to be okay. You just have to persevere, but you're going to do it. And so I literally woke up, I drew a picture of these angels and I knew like something in me shifted to the point of like, I just started playing the game. I started getting the point. I started not you know, I ate the right things they told me to eat. I didn't do the actions that I wasn't allowed to do. The pain was no different, but I was different. Right. Cause now you're like, I just got divine reassurance that I'm going to be fine. So I'm going to play the system. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And I did. And I got out of there and I got sicker and sicker still. And then my parents took me to a woman who wasn't even a naturopath, but who was an herbalist and did muscle testing. And she muscle tested me 
for a list of things. My adrenal glands had shut down. I had parasites in my brain and my stomach. This is all her, you know, figuring this out. And she doesn't even have any kind of doctorate. She's not, you know, she's not a nurse. She's not a doctor. She's nothing according to our system who mm-hmm. would be able she's to She's a witch doctor. Me. She's a witch doctor. <laughs> she, she had been helping women actually with cancer. And we had heard about her. And my thank goodness for my woo-woo mother, you know, she's so great at like, let's, okay, we're going to try this. She taught me how to use a pendulum when I was eight, you know, like she's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. That would have been my kids had I had kids. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this woman saved my life. I mean, she, she probably doesn't even know it, but she did. And I was put on doses of certain herbs that, you know, the FDA would have said would have killed me. And I took them anyway, and I started to get better. And I still get migraines today because for whatever reason, I'm still learning something about that. But I feel like, you know. But you're not in the state that you were in at eight years old wanting to basically like losing your mind with pain. Exactly. You're able to function. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's so many pieces of that story that when I first, you know, you shared it with me and even now hearing it again and hearing some extra pieces that just spoke out to me, but the one piece, and obviously everyone listening is going to have a different piece for me and many of you that are listening, it might be the same one, is that moment of complete and utter like surrender and just like, just take me because I can't deal with this anymore. And I I love that at eight years old, you had the mental wherewithal to say, like, just take me. I can't do this lifetime. Maybe I'll come back and try again (laughs) in another one. That's so sweet. But that moment where you were given that reassurance, right? Like that whatever you want to call it moment that those angels appeared and said, look, you know, you're going to be fine. And you're like, fine, I just got to play the system. And it, what it brought up to me is a question of, you know, what if we all, and for whatever, anyone listening, whatever pain that you're in, whatever suffering it is, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, or whatever it is, what if we took the stance that, you know, we also had those angels that we could live in that faith of like, it's going to get okay. And then, you know, play the system, quote unquote, whatever way we need to Mm -hmm. keeping the faith that it would be okay because it it was, I mean, you're not totally migraine free, but you're function, you're a functional human being where you weren't there for a while. Right. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Totally. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't brush my teeth. Couldn't put my own clothes on. And I, I've always been, you know, I was the first out of three kids. I was very independent, young, you know, and yeah, it was devastating, but it's interesting. Like you said, to have this idea in our minds that even if it is an angels for you, cause like you said, it looks different for some of us. It's could be anything, Absolutely. but just to have the, that mindset that what if it is about, you know, our mindset, what if it is that mm-hmm. I woke up and changed everything because I had this inspiration, but that inspiration could look like a million different things. Mm-hmm. And then I love to, because, and this is especially why I also wanted to have you on is these, these stories of overcoming, you know, like we, we all have a soft spot, soft spot for the underdog, right? But these stories of overcoming and then leading you into more of your mission and what you feel like you want to bring to the world. I mean, you later, you studied hypnotherapy and you got into mm-hmm. counseling. So Walk us into what this experience then became for you and how it's become your message. Sure. Yeah. So what's interesting is there is, it's like a roller coaster. So I started off with this very empowering story in a way, but you remember that moment in my story, like you mentioned, where 
you know, I shut down. And so that shutting down process, it took me some time to get my voice back and to be able to speak up and out for myself again. You know, it's taken years of, it's so funny because I was such an introverted person for so long. So what did I do? I went and became an actor and a choreographer and dancer. So that was what I started doing in, I was actually in ballet when I ended up in the hospital. So I've been a dancer my whole life until now. I don't do that anymore. But my whole life, if I look back, there's these checkpoints of bringing myself forward, getting my voice heard, you know, in all these different ways. I ended up working for a nonprofit called Challenge Day, which getting the I keep putting myself in these almost impossible positions, like doing auditions that like, you know, one in a thousand people get this and somehow and I don't think it's because I'm so brilliant or because I'm so, you know, so talented. I think it's (laughs) my sheer perseverance. I'm not even kidding. You know, it's like I have just put myself in those positions, I went and I applied for a full scholarship for a private high school because I wanted to go to a school with less kids. And I got this one scholarship, you know, it's like over and over again, I've done the really hard thing. And of course, the whole time I'm telling myself, oh my God, what are the odds? Why am I, why, you know, but something in me, maybe it's those angels are like, just go try, you know? So when I worked for challenge day, I traveled around the country in Canada doing social emotional workshops with high school and middle school young people. And I was one of two people traveling and running full day workshops on microphones and, you know, just crazy wild things that when I was that little kid, I would have never thought, oh, I'll be on a microphone, you know, teaching around the world. No, I mean, I never thought any of that was possible. And after doing the challenge day work and speaking for two years and flying every week for two years, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really done like flying every week. This is hard. Um, on my system, you know? And so the whole time I was doing that, I was also training to be a spiritual counselor because I knew that what I had needed was a spiritual teacher my whole life. You know, I was looking for this and I finally found one. And then I had to go, you know how it is. You like wake up one day and you're like, I have to go study every single thing this person teaches because (laughs) she's freaking brilliant. Right. So I did that. I did something called depth hypnosis. My teacher, Issa Guchardi, she started this whole program and it's a shamanic techniques and it's Buddhist psychology and energy medicine. I just did everything that she taught. And then I was certified in all of it. And the last three years I've been doing that. And now the beautiful thing is, is now I'm finally, I'm in my early thirties. I'm finally like launching my own program after all of this you know, learning of my, the gifts that my life has given me, the ups and downs and the education, I'm finally like, okay, what do I want to do? I want to help vision, you know, these like female visionaries who have this incredible inspiration and are maybe only being held back by, you know, the overwhelm of emotions or the overwhelm of their intuition, because sometimes being empathetic can hurt, you know, and it's hard but we don't have to hold it like that. And we can allow major shift. And when we allow major shift, which I know you have experience with in your own life, we bring forth this higher self. And when we can lead with that, I mean, we're unstoppable. Talk about she rises, right? (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about that, because I found your outlook on this really resonant to me. And I think a lot of people listening that are empathic in some way, or at least a highly sensitive person, 
and you're out there in the world and you're experiencing emotions. And I remember as a very young child and even into my adulthood, like emotions are, are a scary thing because they come on and they're intense and I don't know what to do with them. And I'm just going to do something to like not feel them or distract myself. And so still now I have to slow down like in my adulthood and still like notice when I'm, you know, stuffing things down or not paying attention because sometimes it is so intense and you have this outlook around motion and allowing energy, which is emotion to flow. So tell us a little bit about that and maybe give us a couple tools that those of us listening that are highly sensitive or empathic could maybe use. Sure, absolutely. So the program that I developed is called Emotion into Motion. And you know, it's funny, I thought that name was so cheesy at first. I was like, I can't call it Emotion into Motion. But then I thought, but it is, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> It says what it is. Isn't that kind of helpful? And I feel like what's great is that people like you get it instantly. Like, you know, and I, I'll talk about it. But what I'm saying is like, my tribe, the right women hear that. And they're like, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. So The idea is that, and this is what I've been studying for years now, is that our emotions are really free flowing. And I think that when we hold that reality, even when things are scary or hard, we have fear, we have sadness, we have guilt, we have grief, we have shame. When we know in the back of our minds that our emotions are like water, that they come in, they're like waves. It might feel overwhelming for a little while, but when we really pay attention to them, they're moving. They're moving through us. They're not something, I think that we have the power to hold on to them, to cling to them, to define ourselves. And that's what I'm trying to help women move away from. So instead of defining ourselves by, you know, I think sometimes as empaths or as highly sensitive people, which I really truly believe we all are, it's the level at which we are numbing them, you know, that we kind of identify this by. But I think that if we really stick with this idea that we can allow for the free flowing and that that can empower us, you know, that when we we watch the feelings go up and down, that that's empowering because I know I'm not defined by that. Yeah. What I got from that, and you just reminded me with what you said, my learning has been is to not identify with the emotion. I I have this really funny story that I'll quickly share. I remember when I first moved to Mexico and I was in just a complete mess. I was grieving a relationship. I was just, I had give up my clinical practice. I was burnt out. I was just a mess. I was just Mm. an absolute mess. And I ended up going to see this lady who did work with angels and, and she, you know, apparently she channeled angel messages and, and she said something to me, which I'll never, ever forget. And she said to me, she said, I'm going to try and do my best Mexican accent that I can. But she said, it was mm-hmm. so funny because she says to me, she goes, you know, she's like, the message I'm getting for you right now is that you don't cry properly. I said, what do you mean I don't oh. cry properly? I said, well, how are you supposed to cry? I get blah, blah, blah. And like, I cry. Like, what do you mean cry properly? She's like, no, no. They're telling me you don't cry properly. Oh. And I said, well, I don't know what that means. And she said, well, when you cry, you like basically what she was saying to me is that when I cry, I identify with the emotion and I become a victim of it. So it's the difference between saying I am sad versus saying I'm experiencing sadness or sadness is moving through me now. Mm. And I'll never, and of course she didn't explain it exactly in that detail then. And it took me a little bit to understand what she said, but the message that was coming through was you don't cry right, which was you, (laughs) you go into the emotion 
and become it instead of just allowing it to flow through you. And I remember at the time when she introduced that concept, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, right. no, it's mine. I'm sad. I am the sadness. And it was like, no, 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 no. It's an energy that you're experiencing and you can just allow it to wash through you and flow through you. And I'll tell you, when I finally got that, I mean, it's, it's a radical change to how I experience emotions now. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is exactly it. I mean, that woman is brilliant. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. that is, that's exactly the thing that we're pointing to. And I find that to be, you know, I relate so incredibly with that exact thing with sadness, because I remember being really little and I always felt even as a tiny, tiny person that I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like that saying, I was like, I resonate with that. I came here with a heaviness, a sadness. So my whole life until gosh, not that long ago, you know, I did that when I would cry. It was like the ocean of sadness. You know, it wasn't like I would cry. You know how we do that thing? Sometimes we go, okay, that was a sad movie. And then we're blubbering and sobbing and hysterical. And then we're like, but this is also sad. And that's also sad. And this and this and this and this. And, and it's so overwhelming. But it's because like you're saying, we're identifying as the sadness in that moment. But we're not even allowing ourselves the space to just feel into what really is going on. You know, and if I allow space in my life for when sadness arises within me and it's something I'm really experiencing in the moment to be with that and to say like, okay, you know, now when I get sad, it's a much slower process. I don't know how you feel, but it doesn't kind of like descend upon me and I'm like hysterical and snotty and blubbering. (laughs) Like now, you know what I mean? Like now I like, it comes in much, much slower. And I really allow my heart to feel what's going on, which is a different experience than the overwhelm. Absolutely. And the thing that I stopped doing that actually helped immensely with like unblocking emotions and just letting them flow was to stop analyzing it. Because what I used to do before is like, oh my God, I'm feeling sad. Like, what is this about? Is it about this? Is it about that? And I'd go into my head and I would try and figure it out. And this just happened to me like a few weekends ago. And then I just shared with you before we started recording, like I had this bout of vertigo and then it just zapped my energy and I was like kind of out for the count for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And on the Sunday night, I started feeling some sadness. And before I would have been like, what is this about? Like nothing happened. Why am I sad? What is this about? Like, And I would have tried to just analyze the crap out of it. And really, I just sort of was like, okay, well, the energy of sadness is moving through my system right now. I'm going to breathe with it. And if tears come, I'm going to let it go. And if they don't, they don't. And I'm just going to kind of breathe with it and sort of let it pass. Because who knows where this sadness is bubbling up from? Like on a cellular level, could be something that happened last week. It could be generational. It could, I mean, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we get trapped as we go in our head and we try and figure it out instead of just allowing, like you suggested, the energy, the the motion of it, right? To just flow through us like a river. And I, I will never forget what that woman said to me. Well, the angels said to her for me in Mexico, because that is it, is just allow it to flow. That's also part of our power in our feminine to do that, to allow that, be that conduit. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. And you are so powerful when you do that in your own life, when you take that action and you refuse to allow your mind 
to take over and analyze because what that does is that defining, you know, words are powerful, our stories are powerful. So as you define, 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 okay, this sadness is this, this is where it's coming from, this is what I got to do, you are doing that thing of holding that stagnant energy, thinking that it needs to be defined, when really, when you sit with it, that even though I think sometimes we think if I sit with it, then I'm letting it control me or take over or be, you know, the opposite happens. The closer we get to it, the more we open up, the more we open up, the more we let it go and let it flow through. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we're conduits, right? We're conduits for energy. Absolutely. And we're not really taught, you know, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, this is my hope for the future, that emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence starts to get taught and nurtured at a really young age at school because we're not really taught that. And when you're young, you experience emotions so intensely that they become really scary things. And as adults, just like you said, we're afraid to sit in it because we think, oh my God, if I sit in this, it is going to go on forever and it'll swallow me up. But the opposite happens. When you allow yourself to dive into the depths of it, you realize, oh, wow, like number one, I didn't die. I survived. Mm-hmm. And number two, it didn't last as long as I thought it would last. And here's right. what I learned. So it is the developing of of this sort of emotional, you know, what's the kind I'm thinking of all the paint colors. What's the thing called? I'm losing my words. Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's a spectrum. And it's also like your your paint palette, right? Where you just mm-hmm. can have it all in front of you. So yeah, I love I love this conversation. I think we could talk about this and go into it a lot deeper. Um for hours even, because this is where I think a lot of us get tripped up, especially as women being really much more in touch with our emotions and our our spiritual spectrum more so. I love this conversation. Give us a tip, like one last thing that you can maybe leave us with, a tool or a tip or way to kind of work with this that you have found throughout your practice and your counseling of people that would really help someone listening kind of navigate their emotions. Yeah, sure. So one of the things is to have no fear. I know that sounds wild to say because emotions can feel so overwhelming and so scary, but to have no fear in the moment of the big emotion because we recognize that it's going to change. So that's the number one thing. Even if you don't believe it right now is just writing it out. Like this can change. This is going to be different in a few minutes. Like knowing that that is a limited amount of time can change your whole mindset. If we have that reality, you know, or we hold space for that reality. The other thing is, is for me personally, a a daily meditation practice has completely changed the game for me. And I know that people talk about meditation and mindfulness all the time now. And I'm so grateful because I think, like you said, we need more of this. We need it in schools. We need to teach little kids how to be, you know, mindful. But with emotion, the great thing about meditation is that we can practice sitting with our emotional state and allowing it to move when we're really, really quiet and we close our eyes and can be internal. And it's not about, you know, if I close my eyes and dive deeply into this emotion, what can I drudge up? It's more like when I close my eyes and I feel into the discomfort, because most of us, it's not super comfortable to get quiet and still at this point in the game, you know, like we're kind of everything is flashy and big. And we're all about external education and movement and success. But when we allow ourselves to be quiet and still, 
a lot of times discomfort comes up. But if we sit with that and just pay attention, like I've done this with a migraine headache, like it's the most awful thing to have a migraine and then think of sitting and closing your eyes to be with that migraine. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would I ever want to make friends with this? Ugh, right. You know? You're just like, give me, that's what we do though. Like, give me the pill, give me the thing. Yeah, let me exactly. get rid of it. <laughs> right. And there's a time and a place, you know, I totally have, I use Excedrin migraine when I need to, because it's the only thing that gives me an edge away from the pain. But even better than that is if I have some time because I really believe pain is asking us to pay attention. I believe that's the number one thing it's doing. So when we pay it that attention, what I notice with a migraine, as severe as it can feel, is that I watch the wave of pain, right? So every moment, this is a great meditation tool. It's like a little wave chart. You know, I'm watching like, okay, this is discomfort and this is neutral And this is maybe even, you know, pleasure, like you can kind of feel when it's this wave, you know, and charting that for yourself allows you to have evidence in your life that it is not going to be there forever. And that's the mindset shift, right, is like noticing those little things. And that lasts. If you keep doing that, eventually you will not believe that the pain will last forever. You will not believe that the shame or the sadness or the depression even will be there forever. And so our whole lives start to change from there. What a beautiful takeaway. I love that. Yeah. And especially that part about not going, giving into the fear of it, because as soon as we fear it, we identify it. And then it's it's this gnarly circle that happens. So thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your story and your wisdom on the show today. Oh, gosh, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I just blinked and this time went by. I mean, we again, we could talk about this forever, I'm sure. For those of you that are listening, if this piqued your interest, if you want to know more, uh, we're going to put all of Christina's information of where to find her in the show notes. So make sure you go over to SheRisesPodcast.com. Have a look at the show notes. And you can join us on the Facebook group. That link's going to be there as well. And you can keep the conversation going there and ask us some questions if they arise for you. Christina, I want to thank you again for being on the show, for sharing, and for shining a light on this you know, emotional intelligence that I think is so, so valuable for all of us to cultivate. Thank you. Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising, everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 